Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. There are risks everywhere in open source. And in fact, they're real and costly. And at last, it's, there isn't a systematic way to actually measure and remediate these risks. Women Who Code Talks Tech is a segment that features experts in a specific field of technology, sharing their knowledge on an in-depth and highly technical subject. These talks are designed to both introduce advanced subjects and provide insight into the work being done in these fields. Introducing today's speaker, today we have with us Ms. Nirvi. Uh, Ms. Nirvi is a Master of Engineering student at Cybersecurity Research Center at NTU. Uh, her research focuses on uh, developing minimally disruptive techniques for uh, remediation of open source vulnerabilities. And in the past, she has worked as a software developer in Oracle. And uh, she is an active uh, member in empowering women in STEM community. Uh, she leads the He for She NTU club, where uh, her work focuses on encouraging men as partners for women's rights while acknowledging their stand to benefit from greater equality. Uh, she's a passionate coder and she spends her free, free time playing piano as well. Uh, so we hand it over without much ado to Miss Nervi to uh, learn from her today. Thanks, Ruthie. And uh, uh, thanks, Women Who Code, for having me. Um, I hope you all are doing well. And I hope this session is useful to you um, because I believe there is a huge uh, resource demand in this field and that you may also find it exciting to work on. Okay, so personally me, I started worrying about open source a few years ago when I was working on a couple of uh, open source projects. Um, and I also wanted to bring a meaningful impact to the digital world and seeing so many data breaches happening, that was the right moment. So I started working with my professor in this research domain. So I would like to start off this presentation today with three important things that I think are uh, is important to understand around open source security and their risk. Um, so first thing is what is the importance of open source? Why do we really uh, need it? Um, and then second, what are the open source risk? Um, that and followed by the third point, um, how are uh, enterprises currently measuring and remediating these risks? Um, I'll be talking about some of the current work, um, basically the what are the things that current tools are um, employing, um, basically the minimum requirements needed and then what are the problems with the current tools and um, are there any accurate approaches around it? And then lastly, I'll be talking a bit about my research for improvement in this process. So let's dive into the first point, which is uh, importance of open source. Um, uh, as you already know, open source um, is something that is open, right? So anybody can contribute to it, anybody can see the uh, code inside it. So there are benefits and downsides to it. 
Um, I would like to talk about uh, what are the benefits of it first. Um, so the first point, it increases developers' productivity, right? So we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, so for example, we use pandas or numpy in our application. So if you are, if you are a Python developer, you might be uh, aware of these open source libraries, right? So this helps in um, reducing the lines of code because we don't have to write everything from scratch. And since it increases developers' productivity, um, this is going to speed up the release cycle, which is the second point mentioned here. Um, and the companies are able to provide enhancements or bug fixes earlier to the customers. So, and then third most important point is, um, in terms of statistics, typically 80% of the software application is open source, which is a huge deal, right? So this is the testament to the fact how pervasive open source is right now. And furthermore, it is exponentially increasing, right? So if you see in this figure, so here um, it says 30, there are 37 million open source component versions available right now in these four uh, platforms, right? So on these 37 million uh, components, currently there are, um, I mean, the past year there were 6 million new versions introduced, right? Which is a lot. So all in all, it says uh, there is a huge uh, demand for open source. Uh, because it is increasing the productivity and companies are able to uh, speed up their release cycle. So hence it is important for us. But unfortunately, there are risks everywhere um, around it. And in fact, these risks are real and costly. Um, as you see in this picture, um, from the last year, the 2020 to 2021, um, there was a 650% increase in open source attacks, which is huge, right? Now, this means two things. Um, attackers are becoming more intelligent. And at the same time, there are more opportunity, opportunities for the attackers to hack because open source is increasing exponentially. So looking into this, um, and another more example I would like to share here is log4j vulnerability. Um, that uh, the, you might have heard about this vulnerability. It was in recent news. It was a, like a huge deal to many of the companies, like uh, big companies like Oracle, Apple. And in fact, it affected 60% of the libraries in Java. So if you see in this figure, uh, this is just explaining uh, what log4j vulnerability was. Um, so before log4j uh, was used as a dependency in most of the Java libraries. Um, so what was happening was a hacker, uh, if a hacker gives a malicious string to log4j, which is used as a dependency in an application, um, Log4j further communicates with the local function, it communicates with the system and executes a vulnerability, which is a remote code vulnerability, right? So remote code here means like 
um, hacker is able to provide the code, which is the malicious string, and then um, it is able to exploit the system. Right? So, now the question here is how many of you as developers do check the trustworthiness of the software? So, um, like for me, uh, for example, I generally see the GitHub folks or GitHub stars to maybe know if it is the right package to use. But there isn't a way to really check if it is a secure package or not. Should I really use it? And that's when the problem arises. Um, usually developers in any company, they are not focused on whether the, the software that, you have, that they are writing is secure or not, right? They're only focused on innovation or getting the work done in terms of the development work. So the last point here I'm uh, trying to explain here is many eyes make all bugs shallow, meaning there isn't enough eyes or isn't, uh, aren't enough systematic ways to actually measure and remediate these uh, open source software risks. So for example, open source itself is not having a secure software develop, uh, dev cycle to find out um, any bugs or any vulnerabilities in uh, new packages or existing packages or a way to actually update uh, the uh, open source uh, libraries if they have any risk in that. So I will talk about what it means to um, to to have vulnerability in a dependency in a more technical way later. Um, but the idea here is to understand is there are risks everywhere in open source. And in fact, they're real and costly. And at last, it's there isn't a systematic way to actually measure and remediate these risks. The company is actually responsible for everything that ships. Attacker isn't uh, going to worry about who is writing the code. It's going to find out the easiest way possible to the company's application and going to hack it, right? Um, what it means uh, by that when the company is responsible. So let's take an example. This uh, figure shows an iceberg, um, as you may know, an iceberg contains a small chunk of ice over the water and a big chunk of ice below the water. So let's consider um, a company's application is that small chunk of ice. And below the water are the dependencies of the application. Now the dependencies are usually the open source libraries. Uh, so here, for example, application is using pandas and tensorflow as their direct vulnerable, uh, direct uh, dependencies now the story doesn't ends here because pandas is going to further use other dependencies in open source like datutil and tensorflow is going to use another and therefore it can lead to transitive dependencies. Now here, if any of this dependency shown like, for example, here in the red is having a vulnerable, is having a vulnerability, right? 
uh, or to say an open source risk. The complete path is going to be vulnerable, right? So this means the application is also vulnerable because it is indirectly using this vulnerability in the dependency. So given this scenario, um, having vulnerabilities in dependencies and given that uh, dependence, uh, dependencies are going to be complex in nature as well, how can enterprises actually manage this risk and understand the ecosystem and provide remediation? So that's what I, I would like to talk about next. Um, what are the minimum requirements needed? And in, in order to explain that, I will also like to highlight some of the things that current tools are deploying um, in, their, um, in their way of approaching this problem. So the first point uh, for the minimum requirement is what are the open source dependencies? So before we even get into what is vulnerable in my application, we would first like to know what are the dependencies. Like in the previous slide, we saw that the application is using Pandas and TensorFlow as, as an open source dependency, right? So and then the second is, uh, what are the vulnerabilities associated to it? And then if there are vulnerabilities, how do we respond to it? How do we fix the dependencies? Is, do I need to upgrade those dependencies to a higher version? or do I need to downgrade it? So these are the three key points when we consider measuring and remediating the open sources. So let's expand these and uh, try to understand each of these points in a real world scenario. How does it look like? So when we say open source dependencies, how do we actually uh, find those in our ecosystem? So like, if you see in GitHub, um, for example, Python ecosystem, they have these uh, requirements.txt files. Or if you see in NPM, uh, they have this package.json file, right? So these are the files or call the metadata files that actually mentions the dependencies used by the repository. And when they mention these dependencies, they also mention what is the version range they are going to, they want to use for that dependency. So, so a typical example it is shown here is it consists of list of the dependencies of Keras library, a very famous library that uses pandas, skypy. So this is also mentioning a version range. So this is how typically these current tools gather all the data. Um, of the dependencies of an application and associated version to it. Because uh, at the end of the day, the application is use, going to use a particular version of the library. So they get to know this version is through these ranges provided in these metadata files. Okay, so, but the, this isn't enough, right? We need the vulnerability information um, in order to basically map what version is going to be vulnerable or if the application is going to be vulnerable at the end of the day. So how this data is collected is actually very simple, but at complex at the same time. Uh, simple because this 
vulnerabilities are posted in a public database called NVD. Um, so for example, if you see in this picture, it shows a CVE um, and it is describing a vulnerability in TensorFlow library. So it says uh, prior to versions, sorry. Uh, it says prior to versions 290281 are vulnerable. And versions 290, all these have a patch, which means these are clean versions. So this is how uh, usually current tools scrape the data and kind of map the affected versions to their application and uh, get all the versions that are actually clean, right? So this is, if you see, this is all at the version level. Now, the remediation is like, again, it is the, how do we upgrade to a cleaner version or the non-vulnerable version is also described in this uh, information. So once we have collected this vulnerabilities, uh, we have the dependencies, we have the vulnerabilities associated to the dependencies. We would like to uh, uh, have, have a remediation associated, right? Uh, so before I go to that, let's see a real example of what um, I said so far. It kind of makes sense when we see it. So let's take an example. Uh, here in the blue box, we've seen this picture is an application. Um, and in the other uh, sub boxes are the uh, are the dependency versions of this application, right? Um, so there are some family of green boxes on the left and some brown boxes on the below and yellow boxes above. There are like 21 dependency versions, all right? So when we say that we have to collect all the open source dependencies, this is how it looks like the dependency tree of uh, an application. Now, all of this is not going to be relevant when we are trying to uh, find vulnerability in an application. Why this is? Because um, let's take, uh, here is an example where REN code is vulnerable, REN code version 106, all right? So, when we see the application is using REN code only here, right? So these three versions are actually that are going to be relevant for me to, 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 to basically find out uh, if the application is calling that vulnerability or not. Because it's not, application is not calling REN code or using REN code through the green family or the brown family, right? So all the rest 18 versions are going to be irrelevant to me. So I collect all the de relevant dependency tree of the application. So this is what I mean by the minimum requirements. Um, this is what the current tools are doing. Uh, they collect the open source dependencies, uh, trees and uh, vulnerabilities and map and see if my application is potentially vulnerable. But unfortunately, this method leads to false positives. And therefore we need more accurate approaches um, because um, like I said, it is 
going this method is going to tell us whether it is potentially vulnerable right because even though the vulnerability is there in this uh, library the application may not be calling uh, the vulnerable code okay so it's very simple to understand um let's take an example uh, when we use pandas library we are not using all the functions in pandas library we are only going to be using some few functions of it right so similarly the application is only going to be using few functions of rencode and if those functions that application is calling are not vulnerable the application is not going to be vulnerable so this means that version level we can't really say that uh, accurately say if the application is vulnerable at the end of the day or not. So these uh, the problem on the version level uh, uh, leads to more accurate approaches like function level analysis, right? So let's take this, the same example, um, these three relevant versions that we got and convert it uh, into much lower level or function level. So the right, the left side it shows when the when the application is not vulnerable, and on the right side it's showing when the application is actually vulnerable. So at the left side, um, when this left side when we see the blue boxes the application, we see the arrows, right? And when we see it is not leading to any vulnerable function. Um, so here the vulnerable function is lowered, right? So there, there isn't any way where it is going to reach load. So this means the application is not calling the vulnerable function in our library. So at the, at the right side, the situation is different because we have a function in the application that is calling load function, which is vulnerable. So since the application is calling the vulnerable function, we say the application is vulnerable, right? It's simple, but going at the lower level from version to function is going to be performance costly as well, even though it is accurate because just one version, um, typically, it, uh, usually a famous library like Keras or Pandas have 100,000 of functions. So it is infeasible to actually uh, find out a reachability of uh, vulnerable functions for all of these when we consider open source, which is a huge uh, uh, ecosystem of uh, open source. Uh, of libraries, right? So how do we tackle that? So next I will be talking about a bit uh, on the current research that I'm doing, um, which are more targeted in the way that we are actually developing offline targeted ways to do a quick online application analysis. So, um, Actually, the first two steps are kind of similar what I, uh, I, what I have explained before. Um, so when we collect the relevant versions, 
we create a function call graph of all the relevant versions and do the reachability analysis. The reachability analysis, like I said, is, is finding out whether the application is actually calling the vulnerable function. And when I say it is targeted, it is because this approach is going to uh, locate the only the essential functions that are going to be uh, associated towards the vulnerability and calculating the risk to get the overall risk of the vulnerable uh, application. And using this offline data, we are, uh, we are basically doing a one-hop lightweight selective analysis at the online level. So this isn't going to be uh, uh, calculating everything online, but it is only going to be using a pre-processed offline data. So that's why it's going to be real time and lightweight. And it's like I said, it's important to be real time lightweight because you don't have all the time in the world for the data breaches to happen. So this is why we are currently developing these efficient techniques to in order to have a um, real time assessment of these open source. All right, so to conclude this presentation, uh, I would like to say that this uh, open source is uh, important for us, but at the same time, it is risky costly. Uh, there are uh, vulnerabilities all around open source and organizations are scrambling their way to patch their environments. So, um, and frankly, there aren't enough eyes and it's very difficult to analyze it, given the growing size, exponentially growing size of open source every year and complexity of dependencies. And last, uh, they, uh, we also discussed what are the minimum requirements in order to find out if my application is potentially vulnerable. And we discussed about function level techniques, how they're accurate, but at the same time, performance costly. That brings, um, uh, that highlights that we need more accurate approaches to address this problem. All right, thank you everyone. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.